Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jason Knight, and in each episode of this podcast, I'll be having inspiring conversations with passionate product people. If you're a passionate product person and would like to inspire some of your friends, I'd love it if at the end of this podcast you could share the episode with your friends and colleagues and let them be inspired too. On tonight's episode, we'll be speaking about the magical world of product operations. What is product operations and why is it so critical to scaling a product team? What skills do you need to be an effective product ops person? What's a day in the life like for a product ops person in a hypergrowth SaaS company? Will I ever get any of my Pendo swag back for my daughter? For answers to all these questions and much more, please join us on One Night in Product. So, my guest tonight is Christina Tuaru, native New Yorker who swapped the Big Apple for the City of Oaks by moving to an up-and-coming tech hub in Raleigh, North Carolina. Christine's a product ops guru, passionate about product management, data-informed decision-making, and solving really hard problems. Currently Director of Product Operations for Pendo. Hi, Christine. How are you tonight? Hey, Jason. I'm good. How are you? I am wonderful and looking forward to finding out lots about product ops tonight. So, I've used Pendo before in my previous job and uh, my daughter still has a large array of pink pendo scarves and stickers and everything else that, that that she that she's stolen from me but for those who aren't aware of pendo or think that all you need is like google analytics to do your your, your product stats who are pendo and what problem do they solve yeah um thanks for the question and and really happy that you've got some pink swag it sounds like you have stuff <laughs> it sounds like you have stuff to do i don't she does <laughs> she does it sounds like she's got stuff i don't have which is really good <laughs> <laughs> so what what is pendo and what job does it so um pendo allows you to build software products that users love and so it's not just offering the analytics behind your product it's about engaging with your users and understanding how that engagement is translating into actionable things on your product and, and um, empowers you to do more and reach the right people in the right time. And, and the beauty of Pendo is that it's not, again, just, just about one thing. It's, it's about reaching your users, understanding where they're going and their behavior, and then also finding ways to connect to them through things that matter the most through the feedback part of our product as well, which is where users can come in and, and ask for things that they're really hungry for. So, yeah. That's uh, that's Pendo. It, it allows you to just stay close to your users so you can continue to do well for them. Oh, excellent. Obviously, that's something that, that, that all good product teams should be doing. So we'll talk a bit more about product ops specifically in a minute. But you've yourself been in product for 10 years or so and currently leading product operations for Pendo. But you're originally from New York. So how did you end up moving down to North Carolina uh, and, and what led to that? And how did you get into Pendo in the first place? Yeah, I am from New York. I ended up coming down with my last company um, who was looking to expand presence down here. And I actually was introduced to Pendo at my last company. So I was one of the folks who advocated to bring the power of Pendo in the door. And we were kind of running off of some gut, some really uh, expensive insights, if you, if you would, if I think that's the right way to call it um, or right way to describe it. And there was a real pain to solve. And so I really liked what Pendo offered. And the company shifted. The last company I was with was acquired and kind of grew to a place where I, I felt like it was time for me to move on. And so 
I reached out to one of my colleagues, one of my then colleagues, or she's no longer here, but I reached out to someone here at Pendo and I let her know, you know, as, as a champion during the time, I'm going to need to make a move for myself that makes sense. And so she, she said to me, Hey, don't go far. Like we think we're kind of changing up some stuff in product and wondering if you want to talk. And so that's, that's what led me here. And the rest is history. Nice. It's uh, so it sounds like it sounds like a good move as well. I know that that Raleigh's very. Po- it's, I think it's actually one of the most uh, up and coming or most popular tech towns at the moment listed on list, listed online. So, are there quite a lot of tech companies setting up down there now? Yes, actually, we just got alerted from our marketing team that we were just placed on another top ten list, and it was all around companies that are growing. And then it wasn't. Sorry, it wasn't Pendo. It was the cities that are growing into into tech hubs. And so, yeah. We're on another one, um, and it's great. It's great to to partner and and to be a part of the growth in the space down here. Pendo's definitely seen as a a pioneer and an example, so we we truly enjoy it. So, is it the case then that any place you walk into in in uh, in Raleigh that everyone will know who Pendo is? Is is it is it, have you reached that level of penetration or? I mean, you've you've said it right. Your daughter stole your pink. I think once once <laughs> folks start start seeing the pink, we we bleed pink. <laughs> and and yeah and so i think that they can see us by color which is really nice <laughs> yeah. yeah i guess uh, so so that's like pendo pink now uh, trademarked and patented and everything i guess yeah <laughs> but <laughs> so but but product operations is very on trend at the moment like you see a lot of blogs and articles about it obviously you've done some blogs and articles and and explainers and and videos about it but for those who aren't really anywhere near starting their product ops journey yet what what does product ops mean and and what do you do specifically for pendo so product ops at pendo specifically my team is responsible for executing against our charter and that's to empower and align across the organization and i always say to folks that we we act as sort of this golden thread that weaves in and out of each team here making sure that we're absorbing information needed for our product team to to just layer into the data set that Pendo is already offering from Call and Quant Insights. We lean into partnership with our sales and CS reps to understand what it is they're hearing, what it is they're seeing, and, and just help our PMs by bringing that to the surface and helping them accelerate what they're doing. And we also take a lot of information from the PMs right back out to the revenue teams, so sales and success, making sure they're prepared to speak about things that are coming up, speak about things that may be not coming up anymore and, and why. And we also are responsible for managing releases. And so managing release process from you know all of the engagement through betas and helping to identify customers and working with research on collecting all of that data and, and then making sure customers are ready to go. So that's, that's I would say, um, core responsibilities. And then I think because it's so new, we end up taking on a bit more as we try to flesh out the role in the space. But I think the beauty of it is that it's such a central role to companies that are really trying to push that product-led motion because my team is, we say, you know, we sit in the in the PM org, but we are quite neutral. We report up to our CPO, but we serve Pendo. And, and we ultimately try to serve at the interest of our customers, at the best interest of our customers. So I think it's great. Okay, so it's... Is that? I mean, I don't know the specifics of the product setup at, at Pendo, but are you kind of a cross-team or cross-product team initiative then, or do you kind of embed yourselves individually with certain product? Like, do you have like a, a a product ops team per product team, or does it span every single product team? 
Currently, we spend, um, we, we, oh, actually, no, we just adjusted again. Our company is <laughs> growing so quickly, as, as, as most hyper-growth SaaS businesses do. Our company is growing so quickly that we are super iterative. And that's one other thing that people who are interested in product operations should be mindful of, is you have to be willing to adjust and, and change course to do what's right. And so we've adjusted twice now to have one person focus on two product areas is, I think, where you're growing there. And the rest of the product operations managers focus across the PM team. So one person, for example, is responsible for tech writing and education, and he scales across the entire team and or helping them out. And another person is responsible for a lot of escalations and, and making sure that he's collecting the relevant data from our customers through NPS and sentiment, product engagement score. And so, yeah, the, I, I, there's a mix today. I can see in a quarter, there will probably be more alignment and, and I'm excited for it because it just means we're growing that fast. Yeah. So you're going to just have a bigger and bigger team and, and be doing more and more things, which is obviously really exciting. But how did yeah. you get into product ops yourself? Because you didn't start in product ops, even within Pendo, right? You started in, I, I want to say, sort of traditional product management. And then moved yeah. across a short while ago or a year or so ago. Been a, a year and a half. Yeah, year and a year half. Year and a half ago. Yeah. I just I just hit my two mark two year mark um New Year's Eve at Pendo. So um it feels both long and short at the same time. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's in a very good way. I yes, traditionally um PM. PM heart, mind, soul. I absolutely love it. I fell in uh, when I was working on Wall Street. Um, and just building internal proprietary software. I started at PMM and quickly moved into solving problems and understanding our, my customer base more. And then I moved over to the last company I mentioned before and did that for external customers, which was really fun. So taking what I did before and then growing it outside to 40 some odd customers was really fun. Uh, and then I came over here as director of product and we were growing really quickly. And my job was to you know coach the PMs, grow the PM org alongside the CPO. And then I, I, I'm i a true problem solver at heart. I think you called that out in the beginning. I, I really loved learning about what folks here thought was going to make them more successful that touched the product, but wasn't the product, if that made sense. And there was this real hunger and excitement from our, our sales leads and our CS leads around, hey, how can you, how can you teach my people to think like a PM and understand the value of what it is you guys are doing and push the power of the product to their customer. And that's what started kind of uh, the product ops stuff here. And then we had, we also at the time were having growth, like crazy growth. We're still having crazy growth. And I just said to myself, if we don't get ahead of this now, we're just not going to be set up for for success in the way we really want to be. Um, and that was a really good, healthy conversation with our CPO that turned into why don't you do this? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So you kind of invented the well, not invented the role because obviously it's a role that already exists. But you you invented the need for that based on the things that you'd seen within the company and kind of put yourself forward for that rather than being specifically asked up front. The need for it was there, and that's where my product heart came up. The need was there, and I wanted to solve some of the pain. And then it just it just turned into this amazing journey and. Five people later, a year and a half in, <laughs> we're so excited to see what's coming. And did you have to do any kind of training or any upskilling in any certain areas, or were you already very comfortable in those areas? Like, how, how did that transition occur? Was it very natural? My boss and I talk about it a lot. 
I think my, he's our CPO. We, we talk about me kicking this off. And he said that he felt that it was just like a nice natural fit because I am by nature quite outgoing and want to make connections wherever I start any sort of new, I guess, chapter in my career. And so that's how I came in. And so he appreciated that. And I think the fact that I already understood fundamentally product principles, practice, discipline, it only helped accelerate the, the growth here of product ops. The folks that, that came into the org, I didn't necessarily have to train them because we were all doing different things or we still all do sort of different things. So I actually leaned into three people who existed already. We only have one person who came in from outside today. I'm sure that's going to change. But it was really it was really interesting. Like that's a good question you asked. Like, do you have to, to teach or upskill or anything? I'm constantly upskilling on the management side and, and just generally how to how to be more strategic, especially across this new space. My team focuses on so many different things that what helped me the most was bringing them with their backgrounds to the table. One person was in CS and she was hungry for alignment. She was just the one who I saw taking these notes and taking, we have a a core values. One of them is bias to act. She's always just like on it and saying, I can help here. And I can, and I was like, man, she's awesome. She should also probably be in product. Um, (laughs) And so she was one. And then the other person I mentioned focused on the data came from, he was our lead in TS technical success. And, and he was always just trying to push the customer voice to the product team more. And I just said to myself that, that that's awesome. And, and he's technical and he can dig into the data and we need that. And then the other person focuses on our mobile product. So that's one of the people dedicated to a product area. She's just awesome. She, <laughs> she, she's just such a, uh, she's such a well-respected person here and wants to do the best she can for our customers and also serve her PM counterparts really well. So, and then our tech writer is a tech writer by, uh, or a writer and a content lover by heart. And so when I saw that in him, I was like, okay, this is the guy. So long, long answer, but that's generally, you know, it, it didn't require training. I think it was just taking the best parts of people and what they really were excited about and leaning into what we could do with that here in this role. Yeah. So it sounds like you've got a really good group of people that you've already set up, which is obviously fantastic and something that everyone always dreams of. But as you say, you are going to be scaling, presumably over the course of the year as, as you continue the, the Pendo growth journey. So you're going to be hiring some more people, I assume. Yes. So w- when you start looking at these people and starting to look to build up your team, what sort of people are you looking at? Uh, and, and what kind of attributes do you think make, make a really good product ops person? I think by nature, they have to want to solve problems, not be reactive, not just only be reactive, but proactively go out there and get ahead of things. So be perceptive enough to see that this is one issue, but what could this lead to? They have to be people, per- people, people. <laughs> they have to be a people per- They have to be a people person. This role I mentioned before is really cross-functional. And one of the, one of the only roles I've seen be this cross-functional. And I love that. And I know the people on my team love that. And I think it's actually core to who we are because it makes everyone on my team super approachable, trustworthy. And one thing that's really interesting is I mentioned we report into product, but a lot of our execution is done through partnership across success and sales and product. Every team, marketing. And if you cannot 
partner and if you cannot sell your story and be persuasive, then, then it's, it's similar to PM, right? I always coach my team to operate like PMs. Go in, solve the problems, lean into the data to show people why you're trying to do this for the business, find your partners and execute. And so those are, those are things I definitely look for. But that's interesting because, as you say, it seems to be a very, a very varied role where you're, you're dealing with lots of stakeholders and kind of being the glue between lots of different teams, which is something that is very traditionally how people describe product management. Yeah. So what are the key differences in your, in your mind between a product manager, someone who's actually specifically managing a particular product or part of the product versus uh, the product operations manager that you might have in the team? What, what, how do their roles differ? Yeah, I think the keywords operations. And I think as, as I le- dig into that, if you think about, again, that concept of product led and being able to push the power of your business through the product and, uh, to the customer, it requires rigor. So not to say that PMs are not rigorous, but there's uh-huh. always room. <laughs> there's always room. I am a PM, right? Like I, there's always room for tighter process, more alignment, and that requires rigor. And so we focus a lot on that. We, right now, we're onboarding two new PMs, and part of it was how do we partner with their with their directors to to help them get onboarded faster. So it's about making sure you've got the right communication template set up, the right methods for running betas, the right metrics to track processes that involve Pendo, so we can track things through our dashboards. All the things that PMs were were, were or are still today asked to do, but on top of actually interfacing with customers and doing discovery, actually sitting with the team and, and, and brainstorming, actually sitting down and doing vision for a year. You become this sort of feature factory if you don't have process and, and the right people in place to empower and amplify your actual success. So that's the other cliche of, kind of force multipliers or whatever. So people that can help the the product team to to reach their full potential uh, and and not get bogged down in in tasks would that be a fair absolutely fair read on that yeah we say we we live we live to amplify their success yeah i hope they appreciate it <laughs> but um you've obviously you've touched a lot on on data there as well um and i know that you're yourself passionate about you know, making good data driven decisions and obviously pendo is a company that enables that and and holds a lot of data itself do you feel that to be a, a product ops person, that, that there's a strong analytical mind needed, or do you need like any hard analytical skills, or is it something that you can do with tools like Pendo? So looking at effectively canned reports, which are made for you, or do you need to have like deep data skills to get into that sort of thing? I think as the role evolves, it's something to think through. There's a gentleman on my team who is looking to get deeper into into how. Um, how technical he is and it's and it's to serve our team better right but i do think one of the teams we partner with more is our data science team now in the absence of that in a lot of companies i don't think that it hurts to have someone who's deeply technical on your team i think do you have to want to love the data and should data be a core part of your job absolutely there is there is probably no job in the tech space now where you can tell me you don't need data to do your job very well. This is going to be the age of data-driven decisions. I, I Honestly, the next 10 years, uh, it's, it's going to be <laughs> intense. So everything we do, I mean, even even our, even the guy I mentioned who does our tech writing and knowledge base, yesterday he, for example, we put out a new uh, feature called product engagement score. And 
he put out uh, an article and saw a spike in it at, at a certain time and is monitoring the clicks and, and he's tying it all back to what contributed to that spike. And it was amazing. And so that's, it's just something that I think is, is, is only going to help fuel your success. Yeah, it makes sense. But the flip side of that is the potential for analysis paralysis, right? So you're, you're sitting there and you're spending so much time following all those different threads. Is that something that you feel is, is a risk when, when you're spending so much time using the data to inform your decisions? Or do you, do you feel that you've got a good level? I think we've got a good level. I think because we have so much of it at our fingertips, we've learned not to over abuse it. (laughs) (laughs) So analysis paralysis is, yeah, that's definitely something anybody can relate to, but we've learned or we're trying to lean into the things that matter. Like our, our app itself, what, what events are core to your app success, something we allow our users to track and set up what metrics matter to the business that we need to stay close to. Um, I, I think we, we pick the ones that matter the most and, and we use the others as supplemental. And there's also the other comment that's come up recently uh, because obviously the, the concept of data-driven decision-making is, is, is not a new one. It's something that people have been talking about for a while, but some people now seem to be railing against that a little bit and saying that people can be too led by the data and that they should be data-informed instead of data-driven. Do you feel that that's a valid argument or a a valid debate? Or do you think it all basically rolls into the same basic thing that they're doing? I think it all rolls into the same basic thing they're doing, to be honest with you. I think people get a little bit hung up on numbers. So qualitative data versus, uh, sorry, yeah, quantitative data versus qualitative data. And I think that's where some of that stems from. There's, There's sentiment that's wrapped into qualitative data when you're speaking to customers. And I think some of that, I don't want to say gets brushed off by the, level of qual that's available so i think people just need to be able to find that balance i think it all ultimately rolls into the same thing and do you think you need to have a, a product management background to get into product ops or do you feel that that's something that's kind of open to to anyone with the relevant skill set like how much of a product background do they need to have before they come in yeah it doesn't hurt i don't think you ha- you need to have it um i would say it's worked out nicely obviously in in the case of pendo but the other thing is we are a product, we serve PMs, right? And so we, it is our job, every single human's job here to understand what PMs do at their heart. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt, but, but it, it shouldn't stop you. I think if you are interested in, in impacting the experience of your customer through the product and you feel really passionate that you want to be, you want to be one of those, I guess, core people in your business that, that can amplify the success of others. I think I always equate this as servant leadership, right? Like the folks on my team are not here to take credit for anything. We're, we're often quiet and, and don't say much, right? Um, but not quiet by, uh, by personality. I said we're quite outgoing, but it's, it's sort of, um, somebody said it the other day, it's sort of the, the backbone. They view their product ops team as the backbone of, of the PM org. And it's really nice to say that. Um, so I think if, if somebody's got that passion in them, it's, it's, there are more problems to solve in, in a business to contribute to customer success than folks may even think. <laughs> I can definitely agree with that. Yeah. And at what stage do you think that a company needs to start thinking about having a product ops team? Because, you know, when they're starting out, I'm assuming that they probably won't have one. But there's going to be a point, maybe some kind of inflection point that, that they start to think, yeah, we, we're going to need this now. We're going to need someone to introduce that vigor. What are some of the indicators that would would point to that do you think some of the behaviors that maybe the product team would exhibit 
My hope is that one day no one starts their product team without a product ops person. <laughs> and so <laughs> sometimes it's hard enough to get a product manager into the company, let alone a, the, the, the full team. But yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. The space is growing. And I think there's more product managers who are actually doing a lot of the product ops type thing than they know or want to let on to. So I've, I've gotten re- outreach from so many people saying, should be doing all of these things? What do we think? Should I, move? Should I switch career? It's like, it's not a career switch. You're still, you're still solving problems. Let's see, when's the right time? There's never a bad time. That's my answer. Ideally, having it set up so that you can enforce rigor and set standards and, and start to put process in place. So when you, as you onboard and grow your PM team, having somebody in there to start this is, is really critical. But there's never a bad time. I think the one thing you don't want is to not do it until something bad happens. <laughs> you know, you, like like you you don't want it to be uh, a reactive thing. I think again, going back to the product led mindset, is you want to be as proactive as possible to out, to amplify your team's success and, and make the product speak for itself or give the customer a really good experience through the product. And so you have to recognize where you could do better as a product leader and, and think about the role critically. And for those who are interested in product ops as a career, I know it may be impossible to say with, with any kind of gen- generality, but what would a, an average day in the life of a, of a product ops person look like? Oy, um, <laughs> let's see. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny. I, when I used to get asked this question in PM, it was the same thing. Oh, but I'm hoping, and actually, I do believe that my RPMs now say my day is X amount of time with customers and X amount of time with my team. And that's the value of the product ops team being there. For my team, like I said, everybody focuses a bit on different things. So me, in particular, I, I'm about learning and serving our revenue teams. And so I spend a lot of time with our sales team, understanding the space, moving into certain segments. What does it look like? taking a lot of that data back to the team, understanding where we might need to place effort quarter over quarter from the product team in terms of engagement from RPMs when they're speaking to customers. I spend a lot of my time just also crafting more strategy around consistency so that we can set up more processes for scale. I spend a lot of my time partnering with other areas of the business, like customer success, for example. How do we get better at closing the loop on so much customer feedback and how do we elevate that voice of customer into everything our product does. Now, again, that's one of those things that PMs are traditionally responsible for, but imagine being a PM who's, who's responsible for doing that. And you've got another one who's responsible for doing that. And then there's so many points of contact for CS leads on that. The beauty of, of having someone or a team work through that is is giving them like a holistic view of what's going on so that they can tell a story and, and again, add to the data set for PMs. We also have someone, she's, she's, she's responsible for release readiness and excellence, like release excellence. And so she spends a lot of her time with product marketing, with the PMs, understanding plans, identifying beta candidates. And we have someone else who's responsible, as I mentioned, for the data piece. And he's, he's in it with me. Like he and I are pretty much gaining insight from all the people we're interacting with. We're responsible for NPS process, our feedback process, and all the data we get back from that. And then the, the last one is, is somebody who's content hungry. And he just, he's the one that who's, who's writing all those awesome articles you see on our help site and, and everything else. So some of that seems to overlap with product marketing to some extent as well. 
do you have a separate product marketing team within Pendo or is it all covered by product ops? We have a, a set up product marketing team. They are our closest partner. That question comes up a lot. We partner with them. I think it's it's really been interesting to see product ops start and that age old question of whose job is it anyway, product marketing or product management? And then somehow the things that fell in between end up now in product ops for us. An example is that is the release process, right? Really managing that and finding, identifying the metrics to track with the PM, the candidates, not product marketing, but also PMs could be doing other things. And so another thing is, is helping with internal education. There's the selling aspect of it that product marketing owns. And then there's the training aspect of it that we own. So we draw a line. I think, you know, our VP and I sat down one day and said, like, let's, let's find a word where our line is. And it's interesting. We say release and launch. So one of us is responsible for the release excellence. One of us is responsible for launch excellence. And we're, we're all responsible for growing adoption and, and um, usage in our product. Excellent. Uh, definitely some, some useful insight there that we can take into uh, all of our companies and, and, and try and make them as, as efficient as possible. But I know you personally are really keen on learning and not going stale. So first question on that is, what are you learning at the moment? Not right now, but these days. What am I learning at the moment these days? Um, I'm learning to pause and enjoy the moment. <laughs> so I hope that's not too deep. I think um, we've, we've hit a time where we were, given, we were given the opportunity to really teach ourselves to be present. And it's something I struggle with I, in the day and age of technology, particularly as we spend our lives on Zoom and we have so many things going on on our phones. It's hard, but I'm learning how to be present. I'm constantly trying to get better at that. <laughs> so, yeah. And you've also said that if you max out learning somewhere, then you think it might be time to move on. So. I'm hoping that anyone from Pendo listening to this will now be thinking, oh, God, I hope, I hope she's still learning. But, I mean, does, does that, do you feel that you've still got a long learning career or learning path at, at Pendo? Do you think that that's going to keep you satisfied for the long term? Absolutely. I, I, like the last just quarter alone, I've learned so much more about the business it's beautiful. I think as I as I get deeper into conversations across the business, I I you know, my background was not traditionally SaaS. And so just that itself was something to learn, understanding how we understanding how our customers operate and what business models look like across SaaS has been really great. I think there's so much to learn. I don't even know if I've scratched the surface on on some of these things. So the answer is yes. So whoever is listening, <laughs> <laughs> There's still so much. There's still so much to learn. They, they can unclench now. Is this the first time you've worked for a company on such a high growth trajectory? Or yeah, absolutely. Okay, so lots of learnings there as well. Then I guess. Yeah. Uh, every day, every day, a new adventure. Yep. Um, you also called out non-team players being a bugbear and wanting to make sure you have a good team dynamic and that everyone's kind of contributing and and working for each other. So. What are some of the most dysfunctional behaviors of a team you've seen and, and how have you worked to make that better? What are some of the most dysfunctional? Oh, let's see. Um, I've, I, think, I think ego gets the best of some people, like to say it quite bluntly. Pendo has given me such an experience so far in the last two years. It's been awesome to see how 
it, it is one of the reasons I came here. The person I mentioned I contacted, she was my salesperson at the time back at my last job. And just seeing how much she loved the product and the people that she worked with, it came out during the sales cycle. And I think that's really incredible. It made me want to, to stay close to her, even though I didn't know I was going to get a job there. <laughs> I wasn't looking for one. <laughs> uh, and so one thing is that that's authentic. And it's really easy for you to know who's not. That's something I've come across before. So authenticity matters and trust matters. And so I think like one of the things that works really well with my team is every time you bring in a new team member, the dynamic may shift or may not shift. But what you should be doing during your interview process, ours at Pendo is quite long, is having the right people across the business help you vet that person because you want them in it for the long haul. And so we do that. And on top of it, when they come in, we do a user manual. I'm sure people have uh, folks on this uh, or listen to this podcast might hear that know what, of what that is. Um, user manual asks you questions like, how do you communicate with me best? How, what's my style for feedback? How do I, you know, all those things. I think that that's really important when you're in a team to be able to have that candid conversation. So folks can get to know you. That's interesting though, because the thing around the interview process and, and yeah, what we're basically calling in some circles cultural fit interviews or cult- cultural fit in general also has a bit of a negative connotation these days as well. It's come up a lot in a lot of sort of thought pieces around the idea that maybe you just get teams of people that all, all look the same. Now, I'm sure that that's not the case at Pendo. And I know, for example, that you're involved in uh, women in product in Raleigh, for example. So I'm, I'm sure you're a, an advocate for that. But do you feel that Pendo's got it right with regards to diversity in, in its hiring process? I think everybody is in a place where they're trying to get it better, make it better. So I don't think that anybody has it right, to be honest with you. I haven't seen one company that we can truly, from the outside, look in and say you have it right. I listened to a podcast from a, a diversity and inclusion CT member. I forgot where she was from, but it was on HBR. And she mentioned that she even has not seen it done right. Right, like Everybody's version is different, and it takes a huge cultural shift. But I am proud to say that I'm a part of, of trying to make it right here. Um, as a female, as a minority female, I truly believe that diverse perspectives accelerates uh, the success of teams. And we see that. My team is super diverse. I, I, I have a process, like I mentioned, that involves different people from across the business, from different roles and perspectives, backgrounds, and, and thoughts. And I think it's important. That, that's the right way to grow your company. It's not by having the same person interview the same person. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I always I'm always a big advocate of of getting lots of different opinions and and backgrounds around around the table, and that's obviously very critical when you're getting people in because that that helps to inform that decision. So yeah, hopefully we can all get better over the next few years because yeah, I completely agree. You, you don't have to look far to to realize that that there's still a lot a lot of work to do. Yep. One last question around uh, product ops. Uh, if someone wants to go into product ops, what would be one kind of get you started piece of advice that you'd advise them to do to, to, to start that journey? One piece of advice, build relationships. If you want to get into product ops and be successful in it, you want to build your relationships. Take, take time to invest in relationships because it matters more than anything in the role you're about to go into. When I onboarded that first external hire, we have a, a page where we set up all of his onboarding and right at the top, it says, 
you are responsible for the first two weeks of your time here to build relationships and here are the people that we need you to, to start with. So I think that's the biggest piece of advice. Yeah, I think that's probably good advice for any product people in general, to be honest, is, is as soon yeah. as you start any new company, the, the, one of the first things you should be doing is outreaching to, to as many stakeholders and internal uh, and obviously eventually external as possible because, yeah, you're right. It's, it can't just be, it can't just be about you sitting in a, in a, in a bubble. It's all about bridge building and, and like you say, creating relationships. So definitely some advice that I would uh, also give. And where can people find you if they want to chat to you about product ops or anything they've heard on this call? You can get me on LinkedIn. Just search. I think you'll have my name here um, on this podcast. Um, and then Twitter, just at Christina Tuaro is another place as well. But um, LinkedIn's probably your best bet. Excellent. I hope we'll be seeing some more content from you coming out and hopefully some more podcasts and and webinars and all the other stuff that you've been getting involved in so you can continue to spread the message thanks yeah i'm excited should be good so thanks very much for coming on and uh, let's keep in touch but for now uh, thanks very much thanks jason this is fun as ever thanks for listening to the show i hope you found it interesting inspiring and useful if you did i'd love it if you could share it with your friends colleagues maybe even your enemies and help them to get inspired too i'll be back soon with my next inspiring guest But for now, thanks and good night.